Last week, Neil looked at, so what did you expect? And we're going through a series of this. So last week, he looked at, so what did you expect when you became a Christian? And he pleaded with the congregation, if you're not, then hurry up, actually, do it. But don't expect your world to be transformed like that. For some, it does happen. But for most of us, it's incremental steps of change as we continue to walk with Jesus. And it's the spirit at work in us that helps us change. And so this week, it's, so what did you expect? You're a Christian and you're single. So I want to just say to the marrieds in the room, do not nod off. Yeah? This is about the body of Christ. And within the body of Christ, at the moment in the evangelical church, two out of every three are single. That's massive, isn't it? So don't nod off, please. Singleness. Some of us expected it to lead to partners for life. But it may not have done. You may still be single. You may be still in that place of waiting. Whatever that waiting thing is for you. Or your partner has left you as minded. Or you've been widowed and you've ended up single. And the reality is, we can't make sense of the why and the don't understand. But in the midst of it, if you're a Christian, we have to acknowledge that Christ was in the center of it all and still in the center of you and your situation. Now, I'm not going to do a show of hands for who's single because some husbands might want to put their hands up. But, <laughs> but I know there's a few in here. So I have been single 19 years yesterday. It was my 19th year. I'm coming, I'm in my 20th year of being single. And what can I tell you about it? Well, I can tell you that it hasn't always been easy. And I can tell you that it's a struggle if you're a lone parent. I can tell you that I have the same desire to be loved like everybody else in the room. And sometimes that can be difficult. Because where do you go? I have chosen as um, a middle... I'm not middle-aged. What's middle-aged? I'm 53. I'm not 53. <laughs> I have chosen as a young woman... <laughs> uh, young. <laughs> I have chosen to... If I ever do get wed again, I've chosen to stay celibate. That's my choice before God. And it's not easy. Of course it isn't, because we live in a world where sex is all around us. And the desire to, for, for intimacy is within, a, within us all. So you might have heard too much from one of your pastors, but there you go. That's just the way it is. Okay, let's move on. I find this, I thought it was really funny. Yes, I'm single. Stress is now gone and life is easier. (laughs) 
Somebody said to me yesterday, oh, you look ever so young to have a 29-year-old. I said, it's because I'm single. (laughs) It isn't. It isn't at all. Time has flown, and my life has been transformed over this time. But for all of us, what is it like to be single and Christian in a world that encourages marriage magazines all over the place? You don't see singles magazines, you see marriage magazines. My daughter's just got married, and it was truly a beautiful, beautiful wedding. And she, she was looking at, at books when she was a kid. This is what I want, Mum. I want this, this, and this. From a very young age. Not because I said she had to get married at all. I've never been like that. So, in people's mindsets, there's programs on called Four Weddings at the moment. Who's watched it? All the young people, put your hands up in the air. <laughs> And it's about four brides who compete for a a really exciting honeymoon. And they pick your wedding to pieces. They criticize you. They criticize your dress. They criticize everything. I find it really ungodly, to be honest. I don't don't like that program. Because there's something about using a gift from, from God to gain something really material, you know? Anyway, that's me. Pressure, and there's pressures within the church. So when I was first separated, I was 20, 29, 48. I was 29. And somebody said to me that the first thing they said was, you'll never get married again. Mean. They said, no good Christian man would look at you. Mean. They aren't my friends anymore, I might add. But those sort of words spoken into somebody's life at a very vulnerable age at 29 was a big deal for me. And, and then when Gemma um, started to grow up in church, you know, there would be sort of comments. I'd hear people say, I bet you're looking forward to getting married when you're older. And then there was other comments to young people in my church where I was a youth pastor saying, when are you going to get married? Are you looking for your special person? It's not appropriate to ask somebody, have you found somebody yet? It really isn't because you never know what you're speaking into. You never, ever know. You don't know sitting next to you what their background is. And, and I know we do it in fun. I know we do it in jest. But sometimes it's actually quite damaging to the individual who's desperate to get married and hasn't found anybody. One in three church members are single. There are more than twice as many single females as males in the evangelical church. So if you're a man this morning, run for your life. (laughs) For some, Paul, you'll hear Paul say this in a moment from the book of Corinthians, singleness is a God-given calling. And for others, it's a status on Facebook that they want to change really quickly. So, one of the things that single people really don't want to be doing is wearing that sort of badge. And I don't mean a physical badge. I mean the badge that goes hungering after the opposite sex. 
I want to say to you very, very, very gently, it makes you look ugly. Because you become desperate. And desperate. A man doesn't want a desperate woman, and a woman doesn't want a desperate man. Yeah? I think sometimes we've encouraged too much of the, 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 the dating sites and all this sort of stuff. Don't do it if you don't need to. I am not saying that dating sites are not appropriate for some. My best friend got married on Easter Sunday this year, and she met her husband on a Christian website. I'm not, I'm not denying that thing, good things come from them, but just be really careful, yeah? For some, the prospect of marriage and or children is not so attractive, and they choose to remain single and childless. I know people like that. Well, for others, it's not, as I've said. So I hope you hear my heart this morning that I'm trying to be sensitive to all of these singles across the board. I'm the only one out of our team that can really preach on this because I understand what it is to be single for a long time. And those feelings, whether you're single, I don't know when you become single. When is it? Is it when you're 10? When you're 15? When do you become single? Nobody's ever said, have they? Is it after puberty? I don't understand when we become single or we arrive at singleness. They try and suggest it's between the ages of 25 and 30. That's when you start to sort of feel that you want to get married. And, but I'm, I don't know. I've searched on the internet and nobody told me the truth. So, But let's look at Jesus. For Jesus to be single, it was a scandal where he lived and breathed. For Jews, paramount that they honoured the Ten Commandments, and especially the one to go forth and multiply. Singleness was not accepted amongst girls. They were married by the age of 12. And if a man wasn't married by the age of 20, the gossip started to compare notes and looked for a, a good enough reason to discuss his personal um, life. Singleness was rare and despised. And nobody in a family willingly accepted this state at all. Jesus not only started the stigma of being single very publicly and acknowledging it very publicly, he also tried to do something to alleviate it for us. In the first century, to be single was countercultural. Everyone was in a relationship, engaged, promised, had concubines, or was married. If you were a female and not to be married, or at least promised to someone, it was a failure on your part. A, either because you were ugly, I don't know what ugly is, but people's opinions, you were not attractive enough, or the family was not respected enough to give one of their children to. That's sad, isn't it? But there's some of that still going on today, isn't there? To be single as a man was very strange, either lonely or very odd. However, both Jesus and Paul were single. And I'm really glad that we've got somebody to look to this morning who we can reflect from. So what happens to those of us who are single? or who are becoming single, actually. What do we do about the natural desires and the loneliness and sometimes a real sense of hopelessness that can come? 
And I think sometimes singleness can take us from longing into absolute despair. And that can cause our very being to ache. And sometimes out of that, we start to accuse God. So where is he or she? Why have he or she left me? I don't understand why he or she has died. And if we're not really careful, we can become really bitter. And then it feeds something that makes us look misshaped. And we start to leak and we start to say inappropriate things. And we start to hate people who are married. We need to be really careful of that, guys. We need to be mindful of what can happen. We can be jealous of other people who are married. So just be mindful of that. It can be painful. The truth is, we need folks around us, single people, as normal individual people in this room who are married or not, we need fellowship, don't we? We need friends who will love us. We need family who will respect us if we're not married yet. We need a church where we can be heard. And I don't mean to moan and groan and are you going to do a dating night for us? Not that. But just a real sense of safety where you can actually talk about the things that bother you as a single person. When I was first single, do you know what, this is going to sound really awful, but the thing I most missed to start off with was there was nobody to um, change the light bulbs. <laughs> no, it wasn't just that. I really missed the jobs done and and I didn't know where to go to get help. And I'm really stubborn. And so I don't ask much for help. And But then it was a cycle of... Oh, so that means I've got to pay somebody first. And this is in my church at home. Not here. Not here. And it took me a while to get to the point to ask for help. And so you miss those things. And, yeah, you miss companionship. And I'm the, the biggest pain for me was when Gemma was going through different stages of her life and it was painful not to be able to discuss it with her dad. That's painful. But then I found really good Christian friends who understood what it was to have children who were going through different stages and it became less painful. Less painful for us. So this is Paul. And he says, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God, whether that be marriage or singleness. One has this gift and another has that. Paul's advice was to live for a bigger purpose because our primary identity is not being part of a couple. That is not where you find your primary identity. It's not where I find it today. It doesn't complete me having a partner. It doesn't. Because if I'm, not, if I'm not in a place where I'm loved by God and understand that, then how can I ever say yes to a man and let him love me? I wouldn't understand it. I'd want him to make me better. I'd want him to make things 
all these things right for me. And so I hear a lot of people say, you complete me. I really don't fully understand that sentence. But I know that we have to be in a place where it's God first, all the time. Centralize Christ within us. And everything else pours from there. Marriage is not a higher calling than being single. It is not a higher calling. You're not worthless or useless. And someone said this. Within the church, we need to chatter the power of the myth that only marriage offers the conditions necessary for human fulfillment. We must work with compassion at recovering a vision for singleness as an authentic vocation. Some of you in this room may never get married. May never. And that's between you and God. And you'll know. But then there are some of us who, I, I am single and I am celibate. Has God asked me to do that forever? I don't know. I haven't heard that. But I'm not waiting for somebody to come along. I'm just living the gospel. And I would encourage you to listen to the whisper. But Paul, somehow in his praise of singleness, recognizes that the head and the heart is focused on one thing, and that's Jesus first. And there is that reality, and I've just said we want partners because we've not felt loved or loved ourselves which can then go on to make an empty marriage, a difficult marriage, where our needs are not met. And perhaps the greatest temptation in singleness is to assume marriage will meet our unmet needs and solve our weaknesses and organize our lives, oh, only if I wish, and unleash our gifts. Far from the solution, Paul makes marriage, interestingly, out to be a kind of problematic thing. And... When I was reading it, it was just like problematic. But I think what he was trying to say was that as a single person, I can work harder and do things that some marrieds can't. I have all the time in the world, apparently. I don't, but I have all the time in the world. I don't have to meet somebody else's needs. I can, I can with my eyes like this, worship and serve Jesus. 24-7 if I want. I can do that. I can do mission. I can go on the duchy and do whatever. I can go into a prison. I can do this and I can do that because I don't have to think about anybody else but myself. And I'm, I'm not selfish for Mary, but I am very open to, to serve God with all of my life. And that's what I've declared to him. I've said yes. So, that's how we can be used to further the kingdom as singles. We can just do the work sometimes that others can't. One of, um, one of the quotes I picked up was, um, can you just take me to a quote that's there and it starts with one of the happiest moments. One of the happiest moments ever is when you feel the courage to let go of what you can't change. I would 
say to those of us who are living on our own or living on our own with children, have some courage this morning to say, Lord, again, I'm going to dedicate my life to you and it's you only. You come first. Not if you or but, but I'm just going to dedicate my life to you. And if something comes along, we'll let that happen naturally. Yeah? Don't push it. Don't be in a great hurry to get married. Don't be in a great hurry. More than a quarter of the households in the United Kingdom are one-person households, nearly double the proportion from 1961 from the survey they did. Yeah, mad, isn't it? Mainly caused by rising divorce rate, the breakdown in cohabitating relationships, the increasing ageing society, and the tendency to delay marriage. Let's listen to some scripture. Let's listen to Mark 10, 28 to 31. Peter spoke up. We have left everything to follow you. Truly I tell you, Jesus replied, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields along with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. Thank you. Gemma. 1 Corinthians 7:32 onwards. I'd like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably towards the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. Daniel. 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. I'm not going to say anything else because I think that says it all, doesn't it? But I want to encourage those of us, those of you who are married, to be careful with your questioning to people who A, haven't got children, or B, who are single. You know? Sometimes, like I said at the beginning, you never know what's behind it all. Let the Spirit speak to you about your future. Let the Spirit speak to them about their futures. And don't tip, but at the same time, don't tiptoe around us. We're quite meaty people. <laughs> but for our young people who haven't lived as long as some of us who are single today, who are in our 40s and early 50s, serve, serve God really well, guys. Serve Him first. Put nothing in the way of that. Nothing. 
allow the spirit to to settle on the loneliness and sometimes a desperation. Is it going to be me next? Because, you know, all your friends will be getting married around you more than likely, and it's like, what about me? Well, rejoice for them. God has not said you're going to be single forever, to some of you. So just serve him and love him and put him first. Amen.